Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver and to a special edition of The Shrink and the Pundit with integral psychotherapist, Dr. Keith Witt. On Wednesday, we saw a mob assault the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to stop the certification of the presidential election. Five people have died so far. The insurrection was incited by a sitting president of the United States, whose flag then waved from the broken windows beneath the rotunda. As these astonishing events have sunk in over the last few days, there's a growing sentiment that Trump and rabid Trumpism must be condemned and contained, and that his political energies mean red in developmental terms are poisonous to the hard-won civility of a modern culture. Keith and I, as always, do our best to sort it out. Keith has the first question. Thank you for listening. Let me start by asking you a question, Jeff. Yes. Okay. What has been your reaction to the events um, since the election? The whole, the whole drama, the whole mm-hmm. movie that been seen. I don't see how they could ever make a movie about this because the movie has already been made and we've been watching it. I know. Um, Isn't it something? It couldn't be any more traumatic or any more weird. Yeah. So what have been your reactions culminating in the attack? Yeah. Capitol building. Yeah. And, and five people dying. Yeah. yeah. And a bunch of cops in the hospital. I know. No. Well, I, I've been... Um, horrified but not surprised by what's happened since the election with Trump. Um, With Trump, actually I've been encouraged by what's happened with the legal response and how the institutions of modernity, which is what the American governmental system is, shared power, that sort of thing, how that worked and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, But um, you know, I realized you know, my revulsion for Trump has grown uh, immensely, and I'm not sure that I thought it could, because <laughs> I've been revolted from, I, I mean, I've always found him to be a clown, but birtherism caused my, you know, unrepentant hatred for him. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it, sort of one of my integral practices is when I hate somebody or hate something, I at least notice that yes. that says as much about me as it does them. You know, these are two cosmic addresses who, you know, are just at terrible odds. And then, so I, I realized that. And then I realized that that's true in a good way. In that as we, and I think you really helped me with this. Uh, I was thinking about it because it was the last conversation we had where we were talking about, it's actually appropriate in, in terms of evolution to be repulsed by the stages that come before. Yes. Now, part of what we need to do is get friendlier to the immediate stages that, you know, that were so postmodern, don't be so repulsed by modernity and, and traditionalism. But there's something about red that, you know, bad red needs to be condemned and really, you know, spat out. Yes. And, and I've been thinking of, uh, of a title of a podcast I might want to do just a quick one called Puke Him Out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Puke yeah. Him Out because it's appropriate and, and, and significant for history that this behavior of inciting a riot through just false, uh, you know. Lies, big lies. Exactly, big lies, you know, uh, which we've talked about before is pre modern. It's, you know, it's, it's mythic. There are people who have antenna for that, who respond to it. Uh, we still have to deal with them. But we can say that this is uh, unacceptable. And so let's, I don't know, 25th Amendment doesn't look like it's going to happen. But let's get this impeachment thing done. Let's not let him stay in there another minute longer than necessary. So that's where I arrived today. Ah, How about you? <laughs> Well, the thing that surprised me about the, the Capitol building is, one, I was, I was really excited about it, okay? Um, I, was, I was fascinated. I am fascinated. Um, I was I- I- exhilarated 
um, by the consequences that it's that that it echoing into the legislature, um, and I was ashamed. I wasn't any particularly ashamed of how we looked at the world and all that stuff. You know, all the Banana Republic stuff. I was ashamed of of I was ashamed of of myself and my friends back in 1969 and 1970. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I, I don't I don't know anything about. Um, black riots or or riots in cities I know a lot about white riots because I was a student in the student riots and I wasn't in a much because after I I was demonstrating and every once in a while a demonstration had turned into a riot well there were certain kinds of classes of people in a riot there's the crazy people looking to do violence up front who feel morally justified those are the alpha bully types. Then there's the beta bully types that are behind them and then joining in. Then there's the people that are, that are like-minded and interested, but to them it's kind of a joke. I'm kind of there. You saw that expression on everybody's face. By the way, a, a, a vast number of those young men in the Capitol, they were stoned on something. You know, you don't go into that with those goofy expressions on your face unless you're loaded on something. You know? <laughs> Then, then there's people that are around because they believe in the political consciousness and self-righteously believe in it, very much like we did back. We thought, they think they're getting the right information and the government's giving them shitty information. Well, you know, back in 1969, we were, the government was telling us that it was a just war and that everything was fine in Vietnam. We weren't bombing Cambodia. We were getting data from the Pentagon Papers and so on. We thought we were getting the real stuff. Um, there's this, there's this self and other where I didn't really care about the people who got terrorized when the Bank of America was burned down in Isla Vista. Mm-hmm. No, I've been kind of proud of the Bank of America being burned down in Isla Vista, you know, mm-hmm. the symbol of, of extractive capitalism and stuff. I'm ashamed of it now. I'm ashamed that we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ashamed that, that I wasn't, I didn't feel bad about it. I'm ashamed that I didn't have empathy for the police officers who were in Isla Vista frightened of all these college students and, you know, these riot situations. Um, I, I, so so I, it was taking me back into, into, into going, okay, I ex- I've experienced this psychology and these people. There's a friend of mine that went underground and stayed underground for 20 years because he set off a bomb because he believed he needed to set off a bomb. Yeah. And he was this crazy guy, not very self-reflective. Yeah. Um, the, the, the people in this riot were invited to D.C. Um, they flew to D.C. wanting to be part of the tribe. Um, yeah. They were all set up. They got all wired up and ready to go. Trump sent them over there to do all that stuff. Um, yeah, that's the thing that is so uh, shocking. And I think will really make this day live in infamy in ways that none other, none other would. Or, or, or will in terms of political violence in recent past, or the last 50 years even. Um, it's the U.S. Capitol. Yeah. You know, they're waving Trump flags from the broken windows on either side of the rotunda. And Confederate flags. And Confederate flags. And this is orchestrated by the sitting president of the United States who's watching it on a monitor. And that is, it all adds up the indelible images. You know how important that is. I mean, it's, it just gets us on such a, a deep level. It's pre-verbal, really. Yeah. And, um, and so this is, and we've seen in the last couple of days, this is now Friday, this happened Wednesday. The call for impeachment is uh, rising, uh, certainly among the uh, more mainstream Republicans and Democrats. It may be enough. I don't know. Uh, and it takes two-thirds to get an impeachment. And it would be a message to history that we're really beyond being held in the thrall of a red tyrant, that we really just even can't let him finish his term. There's too much symbolism here. Well, for, that would be great, though I got to say, it's a lot of, there's a lot of rats leaving a sinking ship on this thing. I mean, there was a lot of people going after the Republican senators who were going to do this whole farce uh, in, that, in those four or five hours. And I think that's one, why some of them changed their minds. So now it's in their faces. You know, you're yeah. being locked down. There's people being shot in the, in, the, in the chamber over next to you. And the woman who got shot, 
The woman who got shot was from California. She was an ex-Air Force person. She thought she's been told that the California government is screwing everybody up and the federal government screwing everybody up and that there's only one hope for true freedom and that's yep. just to bring it all down. Yep. And so she was out there screaming and shouting and, and wanting to, to climb through the glass to get into the chamber and she was killed. Yep. And yep. that's, that's yep. not just on Trump. In, in her case, I mean, thing. you saw a lot of these people wandering around with their cameras and their shorts and yeah. their backpacks. You know, these were not battle ready. People, but she was actually she 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 was there for the mayhem, and and that's actually one of the things that even just to reflect back on what you were saying about when you were a student radical, Keith. Yeah, I was. I was yeah. a student radical. I admit when you were it. a student radical, is that um, with all of this, even with this orchestration of uh, in this in this um, pumping of red bullshit into the culture by the president of the United States. The, the amount, what, what we can see is that people on the left and the right are almost entirely nonviolent. And then there's Red who comes in yeah. and infects both, you know, when they see a demonstration or they see a big, you know, social unrest, they come in for the mayhem. That's right. And well, you know, that's well said. I think it's, it's, that, it's that pathological Red infecting. That and boy, that's a that's a yeah. deadly combination. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's what um, you know. Both sides sort of forgive their crazies yes. and extra demon extra demonize the other person's crazies, which is what we did in the seventies, in the <laughs> exactly. sixties and seventies. No, so that. we want to notice that as an integralist. If we want to move beyond just the straitjacket of doctrinaire progressive thinking, we've got to see what you know, you know the the. In terms of who's more violent, the left or the right, it's a complex question. If you're looking at the last hundred years, the right by a thousand times, if you just Jim Crow, period. You right, know, the there you whole go. Legal system. That, that. So since the 60s, uh, you know, the, the 60s it turned and there was violence from the left. Um, we, have, uh, we have what happened, let's, let's even just look at the last 12 months. It's true that, let's look at yesterday, or uh, Wednesday. If that had been a Black Lives Matter oh my God. Uh, demonstration called into being by um, Barack Obama, who was feeding the worst kind of Marxist bullshit into the system, and there was 40,000 of them, or 30,000, whatever it was, uh, we would have seen a phalanx of you know, riot police surrounding oh, yeah. the whole thing. And that's, and that's what we should have seen here, of course. I mean, oh, that's yeah. another whole issue that is crazy is how they sort of waltzed in. But, and fascinating. Yeah, and fascinating. fascinating. And, and race is part of that answer, a big part of that answer. It really is. You know, so, but, but we can also see that in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, that it was the other way around. If those cities had been occupied in the same way that they were occupied by the left, by the Proud Boys, mm -hmm. uh, we would have seen it on the news a whole lot more. Let's just put it that way. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. And as an integralist, let's see that. Yeah. Because we don't have to own it in the way that we used to have to before. We don't have to justify our crazies and, and demonize theirs. Uh, we can see that we're all good people here and we're infected by this red. The infection of bad red is a big categorical problem we have to deal with in the, on the planet, really. You know, I agree, and I, I've been saying forever that, that violence is the, is the problem. Yeah, bright you know, line. Now, this is where the invisible audience things comes in. Okay, okay good. All right. All right. Let's just set the stage. That's what we were going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. And so just give us a little bit of what that is, and then let's plug it into this scene. What I mean by the invisible audience is we are incredibly social. Everything is relationships. Okay, so how do we be, how do we stay social? We all have an egocentric part of us. We all have a red part of us. What keeps us all so social all the time? Um, well, once we become, we develop a theory of mind when we're two years old, we can observe ourselves and other people as thinking beings. We begin to have an audience in us of us watching ourselves observing ourselves whether we're being pro-social or not. But we don't feel like it's us observing us. 
We think it's our family or our tribe <laughs> observing us. It's an invisible audience, okay? From an integral standpoint, when you're a red, your invisible audience is a red audience, okay? When you're an amber, your invisible audience is yes. an amber audience, yes. you know, all the way up into teal, okay? I mean, right now, you and I have invisible audiences that are teal and turquoise audiences. When you and I vary from, uh, 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 when, I, when I fall into self-righteousness, when I fall into, you know, violence on the left is more excusable than violence on the right, my integral invisible audience says, Keith, you know, that doesn't feel quite right, okay? And I am because by the time you're operating at that altitude, you have a robust witness there's a lot of self-reflection. You don't resist self-reflection. You start making adjustments, and this is why you have flex flow consciousness and a felt appreciation for multiple points of view when you're operating at, it, at an integral altitude. Yeah, and it's fun to see your blind spots. It's like, it's, oh, I, can, I can breathe this in now. I can inhabit this territory. And thank you, Green. Thank yes, you, Green, totally. for, 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 for having self-reflection and self-observation be, be a foundation of Green. Yes. And thank you, Green, for having self-observation and, and self-reflection about whether I'm doing the right thing and whether I'm being caring to other people um, being yes. a, a central part of Green. Yeah, especially I, people who have been left out of the circles of care that came before. Yes especially them. And yes. so self-reflection has, has been migrating from green down in, into orange and amber yeah. as, as a result of, of spiritual but not religious. Yeah. Uh, well, and just the whole proliferation of the psychological as a thing. Yeah. Everybody knows what the unconscious is. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, there were a lot of people that didn't know what the unconscious yeah. was. Okay. Well, not everybody. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, you could have a, 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 an eighth grade education and you know what the unconscious is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, that invisible audience is, all, is always there. Now, you can see, as you talk about having this red, this is a perfect storm waiting to happen when you have a bunch of people that don't self-reflect, who have an invisible audience that's watching whether they're pleasing daddy, Trump, and treat, pleasing all the people around them. When they're in an environment, a, a container that is amplifying their emotions, they are told by the leader Go to the Capitol building and fight. Um, and now, okay. And the people that have been looking for, for a reason to do violence to another people, a person, they're at the front. They're really looking for something to happen. You have a bunch of cops who on the weekend put on mega hats and go to mega rallies. You know, these cops have no problem beating up black people, brown people, and hippies. But, you know, it's really hard to, to, to beat up other, you know, fellow rednecks. Yep. You know, or fellow crackers, or fellow Trumpers. Um, there's, there's, they have, they have in, incredible inhibitions around doing that. Um, huh. So they don't know it, but they have it. Well, and, they're, you know, they're, I mean, if you talk about invisible audiences, they're they're in the same tribe. Exactly. You know, so am I going to you know, beat my you tribe? Forgive, you know, these people are not. These are patriots. They're here doing theater. You know, or, or whatever you say. Or right. they ought to be here. We need to turn this around. They, he actually, they actually may believe Trump's um, fantasy. Yeah. Um, well, the know, the good, good, one thing I want to point out is that the good news is out of this is that Trump, for sure, is a discredited figure. Not by everybody. I think his Trump-loving base will shrink to maybe 20% from 30. But from the reasonable, movable middle, this guy is toast. And uh, and I'm I think that's true. I mean, do you or? Do I would be shocked if 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 more than three percent of the, the people that are for Trump have changed. You know, they they just explain it away, just like we did. No, I know. You know just like I explained no. the Bank of America burning down. You know, so what? You know, uh, it, it's it's I remember to them, unless the violence is happening to them or someone in their presence. It's not. It's just a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. There's not. There's not empathy for people that get injured, whose lives are wrecked. You know, Trump has wrecked so many people's lives. Yeah. Okay? There's, there's well, here, no here, empathy for that. Here, here's here's somebody in their own words saying what you're saying, and this is okay. from Gateway Pundit, which is one of the last bastions of Trumpism online. It's a you know aggregator stories, and this is in the comments section, and this is from somebody, JD. We are all enslaved 
pretend otherwise, but as long as we refuse to truly fight, we are finished. Look at the snow job the deep state elites and their minions have done with that orchestrated agent provocateur, quote, siege of the Capitol. What kind of siege is committed by unarmed people? <clears throat> Little destruction caused and with police, police willfully allowing the, quote, rioters in while taking selfies with them. Oh, and with tens of thousands outside. If patriots wanted the capital, they could have easily taken it among other buildings. Think of that. So they think it was staged, basically. Yeah. They and their invisible audiences will believe that, right? Yes. If you can believe in QAnon, you can believe pretty much in anything. Yeah. Um, Okay. And so now those news stations were able to pump big lies to to red and amber people who were pissed off and disenfranchised. And then the Republican uh, Party and the donor class that that didn't want to change things because they're making a lot of money with extractive capitalism. They have been exploiting that for 50 years. And here we are. And this is one thing about this that really is exciting to me. Okay, because remember, I'm ashamed, but I'm also having a good time and I'm totally excited. We're going to have a flood of legislation trying to address all the problems that have been getting worse and worse and worse for 10 years. And I think that there's a lot of green legislatures that have popped through, have had teal peak experiences. And well, can we, went, oh, can Keith. We, can, I mean, can, can we wrap our head around the fact that we had Barack Obama for eight years as president of the United States? Oh, can you remember that? Yeah, I, I mean, do. this, uh, oh. you know, he, I, I, he to me is an exemplar of integral. I mean, whether he knows it or not, just flexibility of mind, multiple perspectives. Completely. You know, and then we have four years of Trump. I mean, it's really, what's evolution doing here? <laughs> I mean, this is something, and, and I actually, you know, think uh, uh, differentiate and integrate is one of the things that's happening is that we have, I do think, Keith, I don't know if you're going to agree with this. But I think the people who marched on the Capitol, and actually the people who bought Fox News over the last whatever, yeah, um, these people f- who marched on the Capitol feel as left out of mainstream American culture as do the Black Lives Matter people. I no, I I actually not only do I I agree with that. Um, I personally think that the people that are going to benefit most from the legislation that's going to be coming out over the next two years are the, the Trump base. Yeah. Um, uh, and, I, and my personal anger with the, the Democratic Party is that they haven't served those people adequately um, and, or communicated right. adequately with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for them. I actually feel for these people that they got hijacked by a malicious narcissist, malignant con man, instead of just a regular narcissistic con man, like say Ted Cruz, who could have actually led them, you know, to the promised land in a certain way with, you know, well, here's what Trump did do. I mean, Trump brought out the, um, the hegemony of the left in the culture. He took that on. It's in it. And it's a true thing. Yes, he did. And, the, and, the, and people who have been left behind from cool green culture, which I'm totally at home with and love, a lot of people didn't make it there. You know, they're That's still right. corny and patriotic and religious. And, um, and they feel as left out of. So that, that's what Trump did is he did a full force attack on that and the, and the media, too, which is was knitted in this modern media that modern and postmodern media. Uh, I think we needed a, a, a media arm on the right, and I, I think we still do, and we actually now have a new split-off version of Newsmax, well, which I've about, been watching. Think about, just for a moment, how we all feel about Germans and Japanese right now, okay? I have positive feelings about Germans and Japanese. Um, I have German and Japanese friends and clients. I feel positive about their cultures. They seem progressive to me. Um, uh, um, I, I have a lot of affection. Um, I think Merkel is probably the most enlightened leader in the, in, in the world today. Okay. So how did I, how did, how did I feel about Germans and Japanese when I was a kid hearing about World War II? Okay. And what I was doing is I was projecting the worldview of the leader onto all the people instead of recognizing that 
that the people are going to have a bunch, they're going to have just like any other culture, about 10% red, about, you know, they're going to have those kinds of, of, and those kinds of breakdowns and that there's a certain amount of them. If they're told that Americans are the devil, then Americans are going to be the devil and they're going to do that until they figure something else out in those cases, because they were fascist regimes. First, there was the external constraint, which, you know, they were bombed to oblivion. And then they had a chance to build progressive democracies. I think that's true for all the people, North Korean people, you know, Iranian people. Basically, if you get down to them on a personal basis, they're people that would rather, you know, be world centric and rather have that if they're given the opportunity. But I'm not sure that's true, Keith. I'm not sure that that part's true. That, um, you know, if we look at the breakdown of, of state culture in say Japan and Germany in the thirties and forties, there'd be a whole lot of red. There'd be a whole lot of, you know, holy warriors, basically red, blue, um, you know, unholy mix where you're willing to die for your country and for the leader and all of that stuff. And what percentage of Japanese and German people do you think are there now? Vanishingly sure small. Vanishingly small, yeah. But I think there's you're still right. some, you know, but, uh, uh, and part of that is, and this is the, the sort of one of the conundrums, moral conundrums of, of integral and cultural evolution is uh, tragedy brings a lot of growth. You know, Steve, these Banyan, people, Steve Banyan was right then. Well, Steve yeah. Banyan said tear it down to have yeah. something new come in its place. Yeah. And you know, so far, that. that's been most. So far, he's been the most accurate prognosticator. Yeah. Well, it's characteristic <laughs> in using his terms of the fourth turning of yeah. this, this cycle of cultural growth and decay, and then you have a new growth. And I, I actually think that this we may be at a uh, uh, inflection point for that. I think so. In, to move into a new first turning, and I think you and I have talked about this before because I mean one of the th- sort of touchstones I have about how far I've come is I remember being uh, hating and loathing Mitt Romney and John McCain. Yeah, right. And against my Obama, <laughs> those two. I, and now it's like I think back and it's like I want to hug them. You know, it's like we could have been friends all of these years. <laughs> like Betty Davis to Joan Crawford. All of these years we could have been friends. Uh, but so maybe we, maybe we will move beyond, you know, not the crazies on either side. And, you know, you know, I agree with that. There's the sort of people within the 20-yard lines, maybe. I was amazed at how much affection I felt for Mitt Romney oh. when he was giving his speech. I was thinking to myself, I think I'm looking at the next president. Because really? either, either he runs and wins in, in uh, 2024 or he runs and wins in 28. Because if I look at him, if somebody like me looks at him and feels the, the appreciation amount yeah. of love and, and, and trust in his integrity, yeah. what, what that tells me, you know, I, I felt the same way when I looked at Hillary and was pissed off at her for how she was talking about that. If somebody like me is pissed off, I don't think she can win. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody like me looks at Mitt Romney and goes, God, what a great guy. <laughs> I mean, don't we need a Mormon next anyway? Sure. General? I mean, you know, they, he does have that. And this, this development, we can see there is an installation of traditionalism, of, you know, blue, amber, whatever you want to call it. That's okay. Healthy the Mormon, Yeah, absolutely. Very healthy traditionalism. Yeah. That uh, may be just the ticket. I think so. And he's a spring chicken, for God's sake, because he's only 65. Only 65. He's, <laughs> he's younger than you and me. That blows my I mind. Know. That just blows yeah. my mind. So um, a couple other things. Um, I, I, I am tempted to ask you, who's Trump's invisible audience? He says he talks only to himself. <laughs> I mean, what's that? You're the psychotherapist. I want you to well, tell me what that means. You know, I, it's funny. I've, I've, I've thought about this. He's the most isolated, psychologically isolated person. And, and I think in, in his worldview, if, if he's not being agreed with or praised um, or indulged, that that, that's, that that creates anxiety, which then generates rage. And so... If we were into that White House, we would be looking into a White House very much like the court of Caligula. 
Caligula had similar psychology. Um, Caligula was immature. He was self-indulgent. He had absolutely no, uh, nothing beyond egocentric gratification. Um, and Caligula at a dinner party would get pissed off at somebody and execute them. He would have somebody take them away. He had a special group of, of centurions that would take somebody away and just execute them. So pathological narcissism is if, if I'm not being indulged, something bad's happening. And there is incredible resistance to any kind of self-reflection. Yeah. Now, and, is, this, is this a developmental thing? Is this garden variety red? Because I think it's sort of a big daddy thing where you're either a tyrant or you're, a submiss you're submissive to a tyrant. Or is this just a psychological disorder that's its own thing? If you, or both? Well, if you take somebody that is born aggressive, um, emotionally reactive, but aggressive, um, and you indulge them. For instance, Caligula was raised out in the hinterlands by the Roman um, uh, army. And, he, and basically, he could do whatever he wanted, and, and they were used to taking orders, and he was the emperor's designate. And so he was completely indulged. Trump was indulged. Now, as he progressed, he found he got gratification from hurting other people and betraying other people and ripping other people off. And, and uh, his psychologist's niece is, has a, one story after another about him doing that. And so that level of indulgement just kept reinforcing, one, the, the narcissistic entitlement and the need for narcissistic supply. And two, um, whenever he was threatened with self-awareness, he would attack whoever was threatening him yeah. with self-awareness. And he happened to have a father that um, uh, supported and encouraged his development as doing this. Mm -hmm. Now, his father wanted to build wealth. So Trump thought that he wanted to build wealth too. But he needed to have the subjective sense of making things happen and have had people doing what he wanted to do and people that frustrated him being punished. And he loved hearing about it. Cohen would call, he would call Cohen and, and he, after Cohen screwed somebody and he says, tell me what they said. Tell me what they did. He wanted to feed off of the suffering that they had being bullied by him. So, and yeah. so it's pathological narcissism indulged. And then what you have is you have calculating people like McConnell and you have ass-kissers ass like uh, um, uh, um, uh, Lindsey Graham. And they're going to go wherever the power is, and they're going to go where the influence is. And, then all of it, and they believe that he can be manipulated, and he can because he's not as smart as a lot of the other dictators. Um, there was another article about people being a, uh, comparing Trump to banana republics. Trump, Trump would be devastated by any, by the least, <laughs> the least South American dictator. I know. In some ways, he was enabled by a modern government system because there really wasn't any kind of red opposition. And so his psychology is that. And so that's his psychology. And yeah. it's, it's been obvious to everybody who sees psychology and to, to, to people that want him to be part of their emergent narrative, all the stuff that we've talked about endlessly about it, the, the, the pathologies, the cultural pathologies of America. All those people saw him as somebody that could continue their extractive capitalism and can continue them staying in power, can continue them taking as much as they, they can from the collective and giving as little. He was going to support that. And so they went along and said, sure, we're fine with it. Yeah. And that's just how it's been for the last five years. That's my, that's my analysis. <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. I know you are. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure. I, my Venn diagram is adequately uh, set with yours, I think. But <laughs> yeah, I think we're probably pretty well aligned. I have a little bit of a well story, you know. Uh, but, you know, I, well, actually, it's interesting to me because um, this profession of being a political leader is an interesting one. You know, when you talk about Mitch McConnell and um, – I don't want to have to hate Mitch McConnell anymore. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's sort of my starting new practice. I don't know I agree, where it's going to lead me. Well, Mitch McConnell he, is a great employee of the people, of the, of the people that put him in, in yes. power. Well, if, if you want to talk about uh, 
you know, extractive capitalism. It's basically the one way of looking at the modern, you know, capitalist machine. It's extractive. It's caused enormous destruction. It's killed half of the natural world. I mean, let's yeah. just start there. Okay. It's also created the this amazing artificial world, if you want to call it that, but the world of humanity and civilization where we have tripled lifespans and the decency to be able to, you know, not have lice and the indoors. That's a good so one. <laughs> I, I want, so I, I want to give two cheers to that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's healthy. That's yeah, healthy exactly. Capitalism. And that Mitch McConnell is serving that not necessarily always in a bad way. You know, I agree. You know? I agree. And yeah. And so I, I, I want to look at like, but so the more challenging character is it like a Ted Cruz. Whoa. So Ted Cruz, who is leading the charge of, of this election fraud thing, when he himself was uh, accused of that by Trump when he beat him in Iowa in the Republican primaries, so he's gone through that, he has been humiliated by Trump, lion Ted. Uh, his remember, wife. His wife, his father, um, you know, all of this. Uh, Cruz has described Trump as a perfect example of a college textbook narcissist. You know, he, he, he said the worst things imaginable about Trump. Uh, so here he is doing that. And yeah. I get that you have to do that if you want to be a senator from Texas, because, you know, 80% of the people still support Trump. And I was reading that 65% of Republicans think that this is one of those instant YouGov polls, so I don't know, and we'll see how it shakes down. But it was well over half of Republicans thought that the, uh, the, the occupation of the Capitol was justified. So he, wow. he, he wants to lead these people, and in some ways he fundamentally does agree with them. I'm trying I, even to not hate Ted Cruz. That's a big job. I mean, but... Me too. I'm but, trying but, to not hate him too, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate that so, you're struggling with it because God, I try to do it. I, you know, not hating Ted Cruz is very much like the abused spouse. I'm trying not to hate the guy. <laughs> that oh, you know, he's, he's been out. Well, you know the guy who I'm not done hating and I have no interest in ever stopping hating? Trump. So, you know, I have my people outside the line of I'm not even trying. And yeah. he's one of them. Well, if you put Charlie Manson in charge of the U.S. government, really bad things are going to happen. Yeah, it's now okay. It's now watch. The, it's not the worst comparison. Charlie Charlie Manson is a damaged person. Which yeah. the the process was designed to hopefully yeah. to not put a damaged person in charge of stuff. Unfortunately, it's arranged now that that people can promote damaged people for other interests and put yeah. damaged people in charge. Yeah. As long as you remember, Keith, that the part of their argument, too, is that they are, have been left out of mainstream Americans. I agree. And I, it doesn't, it really part doesn't of it actually matter. overlaps because a lot of, you know, what Trump was doing was trying to be populist in the sense, well, he, the, the, withdrawing um, troops, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, trade wars. I mean, it may be a clunky, old-fashioned attempt at it. I don't know. Or just diluted. I don't know. But well, I he was trying. That, You're right. But the idea that let's build an America and, you know, uh, chastising these companies and calling their, out their CEOs and, you know, that sort of thing. Even the, you know, I can't, I don't want to ever find myself in the position of defending Trump. So let's use other examples. <laughs> I just can't well, do it anymore. I, I can't. I just don't have the stomach. But let's for it. let's go to the core, the core part of of, your, of what you're talking about, which is that there's an awful. We're the wealthiest country in the world, right? Yes. And in the wealthiest country in the world, 95 percent of the people, 95 percent of the people in this country worry about money every every day, and 50 percent of the people of this country don't have enough security in every in yes. every imaginable fashion. Yes. The wealthiest country in the world, and we have hundreds of millions of people that are not being adequately cared for and are being lied to and are not being adequately educated, giving the opportunity, not given adequate opportunity. It's very, very difficult in America to move up um, a socioeconomic class. Yeah. The best that happens in some areas is 12%. Usually it's around 4 or 5%. That's a shameful statistic. 
Okay, so the people at the bottom have obviously been left behind in the wealthiest country of the world. They turn on the television every night and there's people doing way better than them and they're mm -hmm. pissed off about it yep. and their towns get screwed by somebody and, and the government lets somebody screw it so they get pissed off at the government. Okay, so that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and there are two places where it's egregiously true. One is the center city that the left is concerned yep. about. The other is the rural white places. That's getting hollowed out now. Yeah, both of them. And yeah. both of these people have a point. And populism, you know, this is where, you know, that Trump drew more black people than, we, than he did the first time, and Hispanics. And again, I don't want to talk about Trump. <laughs> but there's a, there's a place where the Venn diagram overlaps. That That's the right. The interests of both of what we see is the oppositional extremes have a lot in common. And it is against the sort of mindless meritocracy of modernism, of the middle. Well, it's, uh, a, it's the illusion of meritocracy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, no, the America is built on the yeah. illusion of meritocracy. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll grant you that. I mean, yeah. I, I still think, um, having been a beneficiary of it, that it, uh, it exists, uh, but not in the way that we thought it existed. And, and that's why, you know, when I hear your critique of America, I, I just want to be... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be pulled to necessarily doctrinaire progressive and leftist solutions to this problem. But, but that, that being said, um, um, I think that how is it going to happen? It's going to happen if, if enough green people pop into teal yeah. to understand that they need a different process to change the system than that they've been than they've been expounding and believing in yes. for the last sixty years. Yes, yes. Is, I mean, and this is why I really like what happened last last week as a motivator for the incoming Congress. It's like I really like them them looking at look. This is what happens if you guys can't take charge and make systemic change. Okay, yes. so you got two years. Yes to take charge and make systemic change. And you're not, you're going to get opposition from these other people. Yes. You're not going to get help. Because 30% of the population and, and, and you know, 80% of Republicans have ears to hear the rantings of the psychopath, basically. Right. And that's a problem. That, <laughs> you know, that's a yeah. problem. <laughs> now, yeah. Yeah. That's know. a problem. <laughs> so anyway, to me, and this is one of the things I talk about with Macintosh is, um, you know, this, what's the methodology of moving beyond into a teal turquoise uh, political view? And the best we've come up with is a win-win-win in the sense that let's at least as a method look at solving problems where the key argument of green wins, the, that is marginalized, sens sensitized, you know, we want to bring everybody into the system, right past wrongs, that, that gets served. There's modern, that it makes sense, that it be competitive, that it be subject to reason. And yeah, the capitalism is, is allowed to function. Yeah, yes. exactly. And then um, traditional, in that people who aren't necessarily on board with multiculturalism, and they actually want to be with their own kind, and they're not That's really going to be totally plugged into the system. But there's something about America and something about having a community that works, where if you put in 40 hours, you could have a little house and a family, and yeah. you know that that gets served too, that that's a new politics. And it's not just reflexive ideology anymore it's I think ideological Steve's, i've read some of some of his stuff and i think he's on to something you know salute carbohol you're talking was, steve mcintosh steve mcintosh yeah. his book developmental politics really great the, the stuff that i've seen i haven't read the whole whole book but i've i've read uh, parts of his of his premise that is happening in that um, the representative from the from my area, Clue Cabral, is part of a bipartisan working group that has come up with some initiatives that are bipartisan initiatives. The one thing that I would add to that, and I think that's the future. The one thing that I add to that is I think there's, there's a larger context that Green has ignored forever. 
And the larger context is exactly the context. It, it, it's the Karate Kid context, okay? If somebody is, is wired to dominate, if you want them to cooperate, you have to kick their ass. You have to provide external constraint. And you have to do it cleanly, you have to do it efficiently, and you have to do it strategically. And you have to, you have to understand that once we provide that external constraint, then you can start these bipartisan initiatives and people, and, and, and then the, the people on the right will join with the people on the left and the people on the left, if they're wise enough, will join with people on the right and create them. If you don't have that element of, we got to provide that external constraint first before we can insist on that, it's not going to work. And it, it hasn't worked ever since Carter, it hasn't worked. And so I think what I'm hoping from this big explosion is that Green is pissed off enough that they go, okay, first we're going to do the – and, you know, and the, I'm really impressed with what people like Amy Klobuchar, Mitt Romney, and people are saying. They're saying, look, let's just stop fucking around here. There's a lot of problems. Let's stop, get, stop focusing on Trump so much. Let's start solving problems. Yeah. And yeah, it, could be the, it could be the dawning – it could be the dawning of the integral age. It of the age be. of Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start well, singing in it. In some ways. But it, it, no, I think it will. I think it, it, it will be, actually, even just if I look at the theory and look at what's happening. I'm not um, unimpressed by the response of the uh, intelligentsia to what's happened. I think people are having very sophisticated understandings of it, taking like all that. kinds of things into account. And, you know, there's still the crazies. But that's the part that I, I love what you're talking about. If we look at that, we have, okay, there's going to be people that are on either side of those 20-yard lines. So there's going that's to be right. people on both sides who, you know, they're going to be, they're a little, a little bit crazy, you know. We, so we, you know, build our constraints and we sort of deal with them and we get friendly to them and try to serve them anyway. But that there is um, a, a, a new middle that's not just a, 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 a new blender, but a new higher ground, you know, not common ground, higher ground, where we can really see, let's move the ball here. I think Pelosi and Schumer are ready to do that. Yeah. I think that they've been wanting to do that for 10 years. I, I really do. I, and, I, and if we were talking, if we were talking with them, they're sitting around seriously planning um, exactly what you and I are talking about. Yeah. And you know they're going to hit the they're going to hit the, the 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 track running at, at on January twentieth, and I think Biden is on board with this. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're, what we're going to see is 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 a lot of awakened people, and and part of the agenda is going to be one communicating way better to to um, rural America and inner inner city America, and and two a lot of really irresistible invitations to moderate Republicans. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, we're going to give you power if you're willing to participate and co-create with us. You know, you want, you want to create the new Republican Party, Mitt Romney? Jump over and let's do this initiative on immigration. Yeah. Uh, you know, or or health care, because yeah. you originally came up with the idea in Massachusetts anyway. Okay, yeah. and, and so yeah, on. Joe Manchin, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. There's a lot of people who are in the, in the Republican Party who are willing to be reasonable and move the ball. We think so. And yeah. if they're given an opportunity to have political power doing that, they could give their constituents some cool stuff and can make them look good um, while the other people are looking like, uh, you know, the, 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 the crazies. I think that, that a new middle, a new middle coalition could be crafted. And what's really excited about that to me, but if somebody like, like Romney is the next Republican president, that we don't lose that with the next Republican. It could be, well, something, something that you and I say a lot, indirectly and, and directly, is this could be a lot more fun and a lot more effective, the whole deal. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And, that, and that integral, whether you, know, you understand integral or not, integral understanding is a map that so far has been closer to the real territory than any other map that we've discovered. Uh, I agree. Politically, as, psychologically, yes. as well as, as other things. Yes. Okay? And one of the reasons that it is, is because once you get to Teal, you don't have a static map anymore. 
you have a living map that keeps adjusting to the territory Absolutely. rather than trying to adjust yes. the territory to the map. Yes. And, and once the, a culture starts... multitudes are contained. You know, you get the sensitivity of green, the rationality of orange, the patriotism of, of traditionalism. And uh, all of them matter to you. Well, that reminds me, what do you think of the fact that Facebook banned Trump for, for the next two weeks and Twitter temporarily banned him is considering yeah. that the social media giants now are taking more social responsibility yeah. for what's happening on their platforms and specifically silencing Trump on their platforms. You know, what's, yeah. what do you, what's your read of that, Jeff? What do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's good. And I think it's uh, a dawning awareness that you can't just allow, and again, development helps here. You just can't give red and uh, these early stages uh, uh, free reign uh, on the internet because people can't handle it. I mean, it actually is um, uh, pernicious. And, uh, you know, we, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan was relegated to mimeograph machines. Uh, 50 years ago. They just couldn't talk to each other. They couldn't get together. It was, it was, they were vanishing into history. But, but what's, um, what, what I think these people are doing is taking responsibility for, uh, you know, what goes out on their platforms. They have to at some point. But also, Every once in a while, you have somebody at the head of some, something, like the Gates Foundation. There's somebody at the head of something that goes, okay, now I want, I want to be a tribal four leader. Uh, I want to serve the, the world. Um, I, I don't think that that's going to naturally happen with capitalism, but I think if there's enough external constraint, those leaders in different industries could, could, yeah. could make a huge difference. Yeah. And Maybe a lot build. of it is just the consciousness of the, their consumers, the people who work for them. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has to listen to the people who work for him who are horrified that they have a part in this poison. And he listens, culture. I think. Well, you think have he... to at some point. I mean, you can't be John D. Rockefeller and just, you know, plow over everybody. Uh, anymore. Not anymore. Because there's too much communication. It's one of the great things about the, you know, this, this, this new technology. You yeah, know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a new level of moral growth and consideration. And, and of complexity. You know, and of complexity. Exactly. Yeah. It's what, you know, it's what we're doing here. Well, on that note. <laughs> on that note, Reverend Dr. Keith. I think Reverend we got it Dr. All, Jeff. I think we got it all sorted out once again. I think we got sort of was in this extraordinary time. You know, yes. shrinking the pundit is observing it with interest, usually with interest and excitement, occasionally with horror. Yes, exactly. All right, Hallelujah. Dr. Keith. So uh, appreciate you being here. I appreciate everybody for listening and watching or whatever you're doing. And we'll see you next time for another episode of The Shrink and the Pundit.